You ready? 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 Watch out, Grateful! Anyway, with the friends that 
following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. And just when we thought that we were done with controversy-free news, nope, there's even more to talk about this week. Uh, We got an update on John Gruden, and it is a huge one. Uh, We also have a... Hockey, uh, an NHL executive who has stepped de- or stepped away because of some uh, some sort of allegations against him. We'll talk about that. Uh, we have, of course, Odell Beckham Jr. He has a new home. Uh, we will discuss his impact on what he could bring to the LA Rams, uh, and. Also, it may be quite convenient timing for him, too, uh, for him to be joining the Rams. Uh, And before we get started, I just got to say, Texas Longhorns, you guys okay? 35-14 Kansas 
at the half. Why? The one win Kansas Jayhawks, might I add. And this is, Lou, Lou, this is a team that was supposed to be a 31-point favorite, the Longhorns, a 31-point favorite, and they're losing at the half by 21, thanks to giving up three touchdowns in a span of 85 seconds. Say what? You you heard me right. Three you touchdowns. Did say, you did say 85 seconds, correct? 85 seconds. Oh, That's God. Correct. Now, look, if this was a basketball matchup, naturally I would take Kansas in a heartbeat, you know, because at a basketball school. But football, it doesn't even come close. They're pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, I mean, they're still this, one of the suckiest bunches of, of you know, of college football. Uh, speaking of that, before you move on, I have another pathetic team that I like to mention because they just got a new coach. Well, a new coach to them, but not a new coach to football at all. Now, we know that UConn is, of course, a powerhouse in basketball, but they are the most yes. pathetic, worthless, putrid team in all college football. Well, one well, yeah. they do have. They did name a new coach, and you would not believe who it is. Jim Mora, or Jim Mora you got Jr. It. So all I can say yeah. this is playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Don't think we got playoffs. Yeah, that's playoffs. Yeah, uh, I feel sorry. I feel sorry for him. I really do. I feel. I feel sorry for the coach. It's it's his first time returning to college football since uh, leaving UCLA. Uh, where yeah. he had a forty six, he had a forty six and thirty record uh, during now, that his time in UCLA. About, his record was that good. Why did they fire him? I mean, it was the other way around, like three and forty six? Yeah, I understand. But he had such a great record. Why did he get axed? Well, did he get axed or did he get let go? That's or did he walk away? Get fired. They they got fired. Oh, oh. oh, wait a minute. Yeah, that's right. It says here. Wait a minute. Hang on. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know why they would fire him. Uh, let me, let me look actually, let me look a little bit deeper. Let me look a little bit deeper and see. See what his record was. Well, and I mean, let's look at it. Yeah, yeah, but let's look at it like this though. His first four years, he went to four to four College Bowls. Uh, he mm-hmm. had a two and two record in the College Bowls, which is you know fine. But then yeah. his last his last two years, he had a combined record of nine and fourteen. Ah, okay. I, and, now I get it. And it's probably that's that's probably what helped uh, make the decision as well because, and this is even worse uh, in the conference in 2016, the second to last year, he was two and seven in the conference, mm-hmm. and his final year he was three and five, and this is after leading the first three years with a six and three record uh, against the conference. In his first three years, then he had a five and four record in his in his last winning year uh, with UCLA. He stumbled. Yeah, it basically went downhill 
essentially. I get it. But, okay, I, I get the point there. But, you know, this is a bit of a step back, though. You're going from the Pac-12 to NCAA Division One FBS. Yeah. I mean... Pac conference. And for UConn, of all teams? Yeah. It, uh, it's it's funny you mentioned this, Lou, because I had I had this listed on my uh, on my articles that I was going to bring up. Uh, but you know, during his time at UCLA, he did coach the likes of Josh Rosen, who was a washout, uh, Colton mm-hmm. Miller, Takaris uh, McKinley, uh, Anthony Barr, who is a uh, an All Pro uh, for uh-huh. the for the Minnesota Vikings and Batone Jones, along with Miles Jack. Um, so it says here that the fit at UConn is kind of interesting because uh, even though he, he has spent most of his life on the West Coast uh, in Colorado, California, and Washington, uh, he was an NFL assistant for almost 20 years prior to being named the Falcons head coach in 2004. Uh, he was also the head coach of the Seahawks until they fired him to make way for Pete Carroll. Uh, he had spent two years out of football mm. before taking the UCLA job in 2012. Yes, uh, he did. He did work. He does have some some experience in Connecticut though, because he was a part-time ESPN analyst uh, in Bristol, Connecticut. Right, Bristol. Yeah, and it's here. Here's the thing. Here, UConn apparently gave him a five-year deal that starts at one and a half million and runs through the 2026 season, according to what it says here. Uh, and the Huskies are currently one and eight, and they haven't had a winning season since 2010. Yeah, and his first. His first job, as he's already telling reporters, is to recruit, 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 as they rank dead last out of all 130 FBS teams in the talent department right now. And supposedly he was on hand uh, for UConn's game against Clemson today, so... Uh, needless to say, he probably got a pretty good look at what uh, at how daunting his task is going to be to uh, to oversee a rebuild. And as far as as far as his experience in the NFL, I mean, you know, it was kind of subpar, thirty one and thirty three. Uh, his main big season was his very first season where he led the uh, Atlanta Falcons to an 11 and 5 record and a, a losing to the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC title game that year. That's pretty much his huge, you know, his huge uh accomplishment, I guess you could say in the NFL. So it is other than that, there's, you know, not really, not really much more to say about him. I mean, I think I, I, I would say I'm kind of surprised. I'm kind of surprised uh, that UConn was able to get a former NFL coach, but you know, I guess he must be. He must be. Uh, he must have been dying 
to get back into coaching. Uh, the fact that he yeah. would take that he would take a five year deal with perhaps the worst uh, the worst university out there in terms of record and talent. Yes. Now we do have also no, another uh, we do have another incident. Um, according to the Seattle Times, uh, staying in college football. The suspended head coach of Washington, of the Washington Huskies, Jimmy Lake, is now reportedly facing allegations that he shoved a player in 2019. Uh, He's facing an allegation. uh, Per the report, he is alleged to have shoved former wide receiver Quentin Pounds during halftime of Washington's October 2019 game at Arizona. Uh, according to one eyewitness, it says here that Lake comes in uh, comes in on just a complete rampage, pretty much, picks up Quentin Pounds and throws him into a locker. Those lockers there were wooden lockers, and it was violent. It really caught everyone by surprise. It was really unprompted. He just kind of did that mm-hmm. and then went on a tangent about how the offense needs to start playing better. Now, Lake has since denied the allegation when the Seattle Times reached out to him for comment on the matter. Uh, In today's game against Arizona State, now he was suspended uh, after the loss to Oregon last week. Uh, The defensive coordinator, Bob Gregory, is serving as current acting head coach for today's game against Arizona State, but who knows if maybe perhaps this might, now that this story has come out, uh, if there might be any sort of repercussions for Jimmy Lake. What are your, what are your thoughts on that, Lou? Uh, well, not a smart move. I mean, you shove a player. I mean, that is something you do not do. I mean, I know you're in charge, but, you know, there are just certain things that even though you are a coach, you do not do, and there's going to be – you know, I think he's gonna have to be facing a fine. Or he did say you did say he was suspended, right? Well, he was suspended for something I think that took place last week. Hmm. Sounds like me. This has uh, this coach has a bad reputation, and you know, I'm, he's gotten to fa- he's gotten to face some form of discipline. You know, a fine or maybe more more of a suspension. So, uh, not a good sign for that. You do not you do not shove a player. And not not just uh, not just into into some random locker. The lockers were wooden compared to the normal metal lockers that you know uh, that football teams usually have or universities usually have. This right. was into a wooden locker. But uh, anyways, we should. Uh, I want to move on to the NHL because uh, we do yeah. have some. Uh, we do have an update uh, when it comes to Kyle Beach, in particular, uh, involving oh. the involving his lawsuit against the Chicago Blackhawks, and apparently settlement talks aren't going so well between the Blackhawks and former player Kyle Beach, as well, Beach's lawyers who's Beach's lawyer Susan Loggins said on Thursday that she's disgusted by the by the Hawks' lack of fair play with their recent handling of his lawsuit, which is the centerpiece of the sexual assault scandal 
that has basically rocked the hockey world this year. Uh, just mm-hmm. two weeks ago, um, when the Jenner and Block investigation confirmed many of the atrocious details that Beach had alleged in the lawsuit, uh, Hawks CEO Danny Wirtz instructed team lawyers to reach a fair resolution in the lawsuit, which had which had been battled ferociously throughout the summer in court. And indeed, uh, they they held opening settlement talks, opening settlement talks uh, with logins on November second, and then follow up mm-hmm. talks on November fifth. But in letters that were sent by Hawks lawyers. Uh, on Thursday, and they were obtained by the Chicago Sun-Times. The Hawks called Loggins' initial financial settlement demand, quote-unquote, extraordinary, saying, it now seems clear to us that we will be unable to resolve these differences through lawyer-to-lawyer discussions alone based on the two parties' very different views when it comes to settlement. Um the Hawks have requested that the two parties agree to use a third-party mediator to determine a settlement, which is their second time requesting such mediation, also having done so in a letter preceding the November 2nd talks. Uh, in the letter, the Hawks offered to pay for the mediation and to make Danny Wirtz and Chairman Rocky Wirtz, Rocky Wirtz present at it or present at it. Loggins, however, remains staunchly opposed to mediation, and she said she provided her her initial settlement demand at the Hawks' request, but the Hawks refused to provide their own their own initial settlement offer in return. Yeah. Now she declined to disclose her initial settlement demand publicly, but said it included the estimated earnings that Beach would have made over a typical NHL career had he not been allegedly assaulted as a 20-year-old prospect. Uh, the Hawks were also upset by that fact, according to Loggins. And the Hawks, in the letter, again requested a 60-day stay in new court filings, calling it their strong preference to focus on the mediation process rather than litigation. Uh, Loggins did say she's not opposed to settlement in theory, but nonetheless pre- would nonetheless prefer to proceed to the discovery stage where she believes that evidence may surface that could suggest the Wirtz family knew about the alleged sexual assault back in 2010, something that the Jenner and Block investigation found no evidence for. She's calling the stay a stalling tactic. Uh. So now, so now the team faces a court-mandated November 30th deadline to either support or withdraw their pending motion to dismiss the case. Uh, the deadline is in place because Loggins herself filed a new amendment complaint in the lawsuit last week. Uh, the Hawks continue to believe their legal defenses against Beach's lawsuit, which is the statute of limitations being the most prominent of, uh, of those, are strong. But now they feel a moral inclination to attempt to resolve this matter on fair terms. So needless to say, Lou, it seems like this may, not, you know, th- this may be stalled for the foreseeable future here. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. With the Hawks not believing that, you know, they should be paying Kyle Beach 
what he would have made over his entire NHL career, which I guess on one hand it kind of makes sense. You know, you don't really know the type of player. You don't really know the type of player he was going to turn out to be. So why would they give up all of this amount of money when you didn't really know, you know, how exactly he was going to turn out. And also uh, they believe as well that I believe I I read somewhere else where they, where they said that they want, they, they don't really believe that the sexual assault uh, impacted his uh, career in such a way that he would have performed a lot differently had it not taken place. I don't know about that. I mean, you know, there's some, there's some, there's something strange about that. I mean, you, you would think, you would think that right now, you know, well, not right now. I mean, obviously, you know, he's still dealing with the effects, but uh, that he had to endure quite a bit of trauma mentally. Oh yeah. During during that entire uh, that, that entire ordeal. So and we know sure, we we know that sometimes hockey players, if it's not a physical uh, problem, it's a mental problem. Right. So honestly, you know, on one hand, I kind of agree with what the Blackhawks are are saying here that they don't okay. believe they should give him his. Of what he would have potentially made throughout his whole career, but at the same time, they're responsible for one of their employees, you know, taking advantage of them. Tough situation. A young here, prospect. I think so. A young prospect at the age of twenty, you know, yeah. you would you would kind of think you would kind of think that they would at least come to some sort of number to, you know, maybe fire back a, because uh, from what it sounds like here, it sounds like they never even made a counter offer. They never even made an offer to, uh, wow. to Beach's lawyer. All they did was essentially laugh it off is what it sounds like here. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of phrasing yeah. it in my own way, but, but, you right. know, they called her, they called her demand extraordinary and you know it's it's almost like they basically laughed it off, like saying you're not even going to get anywhere close to what we, uh, you know, to what you're demanding here. I mean, what what are your thoughts, Lou? Do you yeah. think that uh, that Kyle Beach, uh, you know, that the Blackhawks should essentially give what Beach could have potentially made? Because, I mean, how can you? How can you project that? How can you project the type of player Beach could have been? Yeah, I don't think you can. Not got, I don't, yeah, exactly. I don't think you can. No. So. I mean, he's going to have to this come with the rest of his life, too. I mean, that, you know, that's a, that, that is the thing. It is, it is going gonna, it is gonna to affect him the rest of his life. Uh, and from all accounts, it sounds like he's still dealing with the uh, he's still dealing with the effects of it even today. Um, yes. But 
I would think that something of this magnitude or with, with something of this magnitude, I just – I don't see any ground that the Blackhawks really have here. No, neither do I. I don't really see any ground at, at all. Because I keep in mind, going back – No, because, you know, keep in mind, going back to the uh, initial findings, they mm-hmm. waited – until they waited until after the playoffs were over to deal with the allegation. Right. Instead of dealing with it immediately, they didn't want to uh, add a Which you should have done. Yeah, you should have dealt with it immediately, but they chose not to, and they prioritized oh, winning. Network. They prioritized winning over, you know, over uh, somebody's well-being. Mm-hmm. Well, being in the players has to come first before I was thinking about winning, you know, the championship. So, to me, you know, it's Whoops. As, as, if, as if, you know, the Blackhawks had any more of a black guy on them already. The way, they, the way they're handling this now in the, uh, in the lawsuit stage Man, you know, you just you just lose even more respect for them. I mean, what, wouldn't you think that this that this is painting an even bigger black eye on that uh, on a their, very uh, big black darker picture on their franchise? Oh yeah, I mean the franchise is tarnished now, you know. Even you know after winning two other Stanley Cups um, after that, but you know you should have handled it right away because like, your, the well-being of the players has to come first before anything else. I'm winning, you know, winning is a great thing, but you know the mental state of the players, you know, is more important. And if you would have done that in the beginning, before um, you know the postseason, you know maybe it would have escalated to you know what this shit has become. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's you know it, it's just it's just sad. It, it, it really is sad that um, the fact yeah, that you know they're they're now they're now squabbling over you know over over oh, this man. when when if anything you know they they should give. A reasonable settlement, but from what from what it sounds like uh, here, the organization. Well, ac- according to uh, his attorney, the organization lacks empathy in this entire yes. case, and basically, the. Uh, from what I, I did a little bit a little bit of digging here as we as we've been talking, and it says here that uh, Loggins did research to create a range based off of career earnings that was made that has been made by the number one pick in that NHL draft, which was Steven Stamkos, and the number twenty two selection that year, which was Jordan Everly. Now Beach was the number eleven pick in that draft, 
and he never played a regular season game in the NHL because of this incident. Mm. And it says here that she she chose those two players because A, Stamkos is a star, and Eberly has been what her group considered closer to an average player. I'm I'm sorry. Hang on a minute. I gotta look I gotta look up Jordan Eberly's stats because uh average? Yeah. Average? I'm sorry, what what do what do people consider average now in the NFL? Yeah, that's what I want to know. Because, because this kid, Jordan Everly, he's put up 60-point seasons. He had a 76-point season one year in Edmonton. I mean, are they talking about somebody? Like, what do you consider? Let me ask you this, Lou. What do you consider an average player? in the NHL. Like where do they have to where do they have to fall in terms of point production to consider them an average player? Well, I think only like about oh like about like four or five goals a season. Um you know putting up uh, low assist numbers. Average players, you know, aren't the superstars, you know, like in the NHL and the NBA. They're not like the Gretzky's or the Messiers and whatnot, you know, it, that's you know, that's a whole other level altogether. So, but would you say would you say yeah, like maybe a third line? Maybe would you say like a third liner would be like an average player? Yeah, I would say like a third liner. Okay, well here's uh, like so here's here's the two stats uh, of of what they've what each player has earned over the course of thirteen to fourteen years in the league so far. Stamkos has earned 103.7 million, and Eberly has earned 57.6. So she's using she's using these two, uh, you know, these two figures as some as a price that they're looking for in these uh, in these settlement talks, and the fact that the fact that the Blackhawks aren't even willing to go towards 57.6 kind of tells you something. Yeah. That the Blackhawks just don't get the, just as, just as she said here uh, in this quote, they just don't get the gravity. It's like they're saying just man up and forget about it, which was said to Kyle by the therapist that they hired. Uh. That is exactly what they said. So if this happened to you, just take it. It's part of life. It's your fault. Just go on and don't think about it again. This is an exact yeah, right. quote that she said. This is an exact quote that, that she said that, that apparently uh, the therapist that the Blackhawks hired had said to him. Yeah, I don't think you can do that. I mean you – know, the- the more and more stuff I read about this, it just seems more and more that the Blackhawks, while they may be a winning organization, or at least during that time frame they were a winning organization, they are just complete assholes that just don't have – and I'm not talking about the players. I'm talking about, you know, uh, right. the well, management. Management, you know, they just seem like – they sound like complete assholes that have, you know, no – 
no sense of uh no sense of emotion no, no sense of uh you know empathy whatsoever no now most of those people most of those people in that position you know they can be assholes that's what they're known for yeah it's unfortunate it's very unfortunate and you know it with with how uh, Kyle Beach's lawyer is approaching this right now. I honestly, I, I just, I do not see them moving whatsoever. So if the if if the Blackhawks are expecting them to move their price, uh, that's not going to happen. It's clear what their minimum price is, which is the Jordan Everly, uh, you know what he's earned so far this year, or not this year throughout his whole entire career, which is fifty seven around 57 million and what uh, Stamkos has earned, which has been a hundred plus. So it's clear that they are not going to budge from, for anything below that 56 million mark. I don't think so. So, I mean, it's just from, just from what we're, from what I'm reading right now, it looks like this is probably going to, going to, you know, go on for quite some time here. Yeah. But, you know, speaking of mental health, uh, Carey Price, uh, Montreal Canadiens goaltender, he recently opened up about his decision to seek help for substance use as he voluntarily entered the... He voluntarily entered the NHL and NHL Players Association Player Assistance Program back on October 7th. Uh, He said, over the last few years, I have let myself get to a very dark place, and I didn't have the tools to cope with that struggle. Last month, I made the decision to enter a residential treatment facility for substance use. Things had reached a point that that I realized I needed to prioritize my health for both myself and for my family. Asking for help when you need it is what we encourage our kids to do, and it was what I needed to do. Uh, Now, Price isn't sure when he'll be able to return to play, but he's taking things day by day as he continues to work on his mental health. Uh, He did also express his appreciation for all the support from his fans uh, and the Canadiens fans and well wishes he received, and he has currently asked for privacy at this time. you know what, Lou? Now it all, all of a sudden it makes sense. It makes complete sense why, uh, yeah. you know, why he abruptly left uh, the Canadiens like he did. And also, uh, it also kind of makes sense why his play seem, seemed to have, have dipped the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Now we know. I mean, he was. I mean, he's still been. You know, he's still been a, a strong goaltender, a stud goaltender. Uh, yeah. I mean, he was twelve. He was twelve and seven last year. He was twenty-seven and twenty-five the year before. Uh, I mean, oh. <laughs> there were a couple a couple seasons ago. He was sixteen, twenty-six, and seven. Uh, so. You know, mm. maybe perhaps, maybe perhaps dealing with these uh, with with depression and these uh, and these mental health issues uh, may have potentially contributed uh, to some of his struggles 
I wouldn't be surprised by that. To deal with at some point. I mean, what what are your thoughts, Lou? Well, we seem to be having more of a rash of that now with people having these athletes having these um, state of their mental health. I mean, it's popping up all over. It's happened, um, you know, in the tennis world and the and the golf world. Uh, it's happened, of course, to a ton of footballers. We're really seeing a lot of that now. So this wouldn't surprise me about you know uh, what has happened. You know, it's just, but it seems like it's happened more within the past year that uh, uh, coronavirus is coming in. Uh, you know, it's, it's causing a great deal of concern. Yeah, you know, of that's course, another, uh, that's, yeah. another that's, that's another possible uh, thing to latch on to here. Could could COVID have potentially uh, played a little bit I think of it a does. Uh, role in this? You I know, think as it far does, as because the before that, it was only very sporadic. You know, now it's now it's becoming more commonplace in the past year and a half. You know, as a matter of as a matter of fact, I, I've read that uh, you know people are so people are concerned with um, like uh, the kids, for example. You know, the fact that the kids had to uh, had to go through all of school last year in remote learning or right. hybrid learning or hybrid you know hybrid learning where you know they would be yeah. off maybe two or three days, uh, they would do two or three days of remote learning and they would do two or three days of in-person learning. Uh, it's, you know, I haven't really thought about it until now because they, you know, people have talked about how, uh, the fact that, you know, kids' minds have been messed with because they haven't had a chance to see their, they, before, uh, schools started reopening, you know, they hadn't had a chance to see their friends because of the COVID issue. And, you yeah. know, I would have thought, you know, I would have thought, you know, ki- kids would probably be ecstatic. The fact that they, uh, the fact that they would, you know, they wouldn't have to, you know, go to school that they could stay home while still, you know, obviously, you know, doing the zoom classes and everything, uh, attending class mm-hmm. through zoom, but you know, that they could stay home and, you know, not have to deal with uh, with like bullying, for example, in schools uh, that would normally happen yeah. during the during the school year. You know, I was kind of surprised that uh, there was so much outrage over the fact that you know kids should kid, that kids are supposedly missing school. Uh, you know, missing school in terms of oh, we want to physically be in the classroom. You know, I mean. I don't know about I don't know about you, Lou, but uh, you know back when I was in school. Now, granted, you know I haven't been out of school as long as you have. Uh, but, oh, thanks. You know back. Well, I mean, you've stated multiple times. You know, yeah, I know. multiple times mouth. on the show. Uh, but you know, back when I was back when I was still in high school, uh, I probably would have been ecstatic. You know, hey, I can actually, I, I, I'll, I'll still do the whole Zoom thing, but, you know, hey, I can, I can feel comfortable, you know, sitting in my living room, uh, not having to, not having to, you know, interact with, uh, with people in school, yeah. you know, and, you know, I, I just, I didn't realize it until now, the, the fact that, you know. This could COVID could very well have played a factor potentially in the 
uh, in the depression that Carey Price has been uh, has been experiencing. Although he has said that it's it's gone, it's been going on for over the past couple of years. But maybe mm-hmm. maybe COVID uh, maybe COVID just made it even worse. You know the fact that yes. uh, he had to, he had to play in front of no fans or very limited amount of fans. Uh, the fact that you know, especially up in Canada, you have to wear masks every day. Uh, yeah. I mean, that certainly is gonna is gonna take a toll on the mental health. Oh, absolutely. So you know, kids want to be around. Bre- kids want to be around their friends. You know, that's that was the main part that you know, I think they were upset about. It's not about like. Uh, Attend classes, being associated, you know, with with the, with their peers. I know I would miss that. Yeah. So it's it's interesting you brought up the COVID aspect uh, of this, Lou, because it's yes. Now that I think about it, it's it's entirely possible that that may have played a pretty big role because it's much different. I wouldn't doubt it. You know, we've we've heard we've heard multiple athletes speak up about uh, about playing through the COVID era. And you know they've 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 spoken about how it's much different playing in front of a crowd as opposed to not playing in front of a crowd. Uh, so, you know, maybe perhaps that maybe perhaps that is a huge aspect of this whole ordeal that uh, that Carrie Price is going through right now. So. Obviously, you know, uh, hopefully he can get uh, he can get in a much better state of mind, uh, not just for himself, so. but, but for his family, uh, but for his family. And also, I mean, you know, maybe Montreal kind of hopes that he kind of speeds it up a little bit, too, because they're currently sitting at four, ten and one right now on the season. Uh, they're awful yeah. this season. Uh, with with uh, a goal differential of minus eighteen, could be worse with the Coyotes. So far. Sure. Oh my God! One twelve okay. and one with a goal differential of minus thirty four. Oh my God! You can't see me, but I'm holding. Up, I'm doing the loser sign. <sighs> Man, you know, maybe for maybe Loser. perhaps the uh maybe perhaps the decision for them to go back to uh the old Coyotes logo was such a bad idea yes. that um it's had it's had such a such a negative effect on the uh on on the players as well. Wow. I, well, I don't know about that, I but was not you expecting suck, you suck. that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, exactly. Yeah, you know, no wonder, no wonder Phil Kessel. Uh, actually, is Phil Kessel still there? No, he's no. Oh, he is still there. I feel bad for him. Oh my God. Yeah, he is yeah. still there. Phil, what are you doing? So I feel, I, I feel bad for Phil Kessel right now. Uh, I feel sorry for the whole state of Arizona. Realizing, realizing he's still a Coyote. Uh, five points in only fourteen games this year for Phil Kessel Ugh. so far. I mean, I mean the coy- yeah. I mean, I mean the Diamondbacks were bad enough this season, and now you got the Coyotes on top of that. 
Thankfully, your cardinals are doing well. Otherwise, you'd be a you'd be a triple threat of shit. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I guess I guess things right. could be. I guess things could be worse for Montreal. Uh, they could yes. be the Coyotes, but you know, needless to say, obviously they would uh, they would yes. very well welcome back their uh, their franchise goaltender. With um, yes. Well, once once Carey Price can officially get back to uh, get back to uh, the right state of mind, to where he can actually uh, he can actually play, um, I have a shred I mean, of decency for the team. They have it right now. You know, you got you got to imagine too how much uh, what his mindset is currently at right now to the point of where, you know, the the fact that he can't even that he can't even play hockey to begin with. Yeah. Which is a but, shame. You know, hopefully, hope, hope it is a shame, especially considering his, uh, considering his age and, you know, he probably doesn't have uh, that much time left, you know, in the league. Yeah. So, you know, who knows, who knows exactly how much, uh, how many, Actually, let me check. I think I'm pretty sure he may be in in his. I know he's in his 30s, but I think it's his mid 30s. Yeah, he's 34. He's 34 right now. Right, so, young. I mean, it, technically, yeah, it is young, but you know, who knows how much more meaningful hockey, I should say, uh, that he can play oh, at he's a high a level. Player, okay. You know that he can, that as far as that he can play at a high level. Mm. Yeah, you know, before before his skills, before his skill, yeah, exactly. Before his uh, his skills start to deteriorate, uh, to yeah. where he's not the he's not the elite goaltender uh, that fans are used to seeing. Yes. Because, but, you know, when I think of, you know, thir- uh, you know, 34, I mean, to me, that's young, you know. Yeah. I guess when you're a player that's been around for so long and getting, you know, beat up all the time, uh, yeah. Physically, you're 34, but mentally, you're more like about uh, 64. Sorry, not 64, but you get the yeah. idea. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Now, uh, we, do, we do have much, an update on... Punch we do have an update on uh, Jack Eichel. Uh, he did undergo successful disc replacement surgery yesterday. Uh, it was described as successful and without complications, according to Eichel's doctor. Uh, he is expected to make a full recovery. Um, and the timeline, Eichel did say a week ago that he is hoping to be recovered in three months. Uh, but Vegas, uh, Vegas does intend to provide updates as far as the timing of uh, Eichel's return to the ice when when they are appropriate. So, and you know, Buffalo, Buffalo was so concerned about the surgery, all they had to do was ag- was agree to let him have it, and there yeah. wouldn't have been any problems. And you know, maybe he would still be a Buffalo Saber right now. Exactly. I mean, because you were so so afraid, well, but apparently Vegas isn't, and Vegas, you know, gave him, uh, you know, 
Uh, you may go ahead, and that's why now he's with the Vegas Knights, and Buffalo, you lose. Although they seem to be doing better yeah. without him, though. Yeah, but the question is, for how long? Yeah, I think by uh, New Year's, I think they're going to go back to their old ways and, you know, be the sucky team that they are. Exactly. You know, yeah, I mean, right I'm not, now I'm they're not tied. I'm not going to be the to Buffalo at all, you know. Enjoy your time while you have it because basically you're going to fall upon the end. Yeah, I mean, right now they're tied with Boston. They're tied with Boston right now uh, for the fifth spot in the uh, Atlantic Division. The only reason why they're not ahead of Boston is because Boston has played one fewer game uh, compared to to Buffalo. Buffalo is 6-5-2. Boston is 7-5. Um, so obviously, you know, that's why, because of winning percentage, as far as to why, uh, Buffalo is not ahead of Boston right now, even though they're tied for points. Um, and actually, let me take a look. Buffalo did lose today, uh, to Toronto five to four. So, uh, that is obviously, you know, um, I think I think it may be sooner rather than later that we'll start to see the old Buffalo uh, show itself. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. Uh, one. Uh, now going over to the controversy. I guess I guess you can call it a controversy. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, they have put General Manager Bob Murray on administrative leave while they investigate allegations that have been made against him. Uh, And apparently the allegations are of improper professional conduct. Uh, And it says that it says in a statement that has been made by the ducks that after internal review, we enlisted Shepard Mullen to perform an independent investigation Upon recommendation from their initial findings, we have decided to place Bob on administrative leave pending final results. So it sounds like they found something that, uh, you know, that is uh, of concern for the Anaheim Ducks organization here involving their general manager, Bob Murray. And considering what has come out recently in not just the NHL, but uh, but essentially all of sports. It seems like it's, if it's not one sport, it's another. Uh, mm. I wouldn't be shocked if there's if there's potentially uh, if this is just another one of those uh, another one of those string of incidents. Oh, it might be that has now all of a sudden come up. Uh, Murray has been working for Anaheim since 2005, and he has held the position of general manager since 2008. Now, the thing is, he has held that position for a long time. So is this something that just recently happened, or is this something that happened years ago? I think it happened years ago. And they're now all of a sudden just coming out about it. Yeah, I think it happened a long time ago. Just think about it, Lou, with all these stories that are popping up, you know, starting with the whole Washington football team uh, story and all the dominoes that have started to fall after that, 
mm. you know, you kind of wonder if maybe perhaps, you know, I mentioned last week that there's pro- there's possibly more dominoes to fall. Oh is yeah. This another one of those, is this another one of those dominoes or is this a completely uh, you know, something aside from that uh from it's that It's a domino story? effect. It's a domino effect. So, when one falls, they all start the to fall. If that's the case, you know, I kind of have to wonder what the hell is going to fall next. I'm afraid to find out. Oh, and by the way, and by, and by the way, uh, he has officially resigned. It's not just a uh, smart move. It's not. It's it's you know it's not it's not just a uh, administrative leave. He has officially resigned and. Uh, he will undergo. Uh, oh, okay. So apparently it is alcohol issues. That's what this yeah. investigation is. Apparently, uh, he has resigned and he will enroll in a alcohol abuse program, according to uh, the New York Post. It says here, uh, and actually the team announced it. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks announced uh, on Wednesday. And the Ducks owner, Henry Samueli, will reportedly pay for Murray's rehabilitation services, according to ESPN. Uh, They expressed full support of Murray's efforts to seek help and in order to improve his physical and mental health. Um, So, you know, you kind of have to wonder if, uh, you know, this – these accusations of, of improper professional conduct, did it have to do with alcohol? It must have to do I with alcohol. A, yeah, I'll play a big part in it. If he's, uh, you know, if he's all of a sudden undergoing a alcohol rehabilitation program. Yes. And it says here his behavior has fostered a, report, a reported abuse culture within the Anaheim organization. Now, the specific details of the abuse and misconduct were not shared with the media. Uh, he said he, he said in the statement that was released by the, uh, by the team's news release on Wednesday, he stated, I want to apologize to anyone adversely affected by my behavior. I vow to make changes to my life, starting with enrolling in a treatment program. I want to thank Henry and Susan Samueli and Michael Schulman, as working for them has been one of the highlights of my career. As I step away from the ducks, I will focus my attention on where it should be, improving my life for the betterment of my family and friends. Um. Uh, and the NHL has has said it supports Murray's decision to resign from his uh, position. Uh, the league, in a statement, said, while we understand that he is seeking appropriate counseling and treatment for his personal issues, there is no excuse and there is no place in our league for the type of behavior that was recently reported through the NHL hotline. We thank right. the Ducks organization for his prompt and appropriate response to the hotline reports. 
The league and its clubs are permitted are, are committed to a safe and welcoming workplace across the NHL, and it will continue to take any and all action to achieve that goal. This kind of screams to me that maybe it might have been sexual harassment when I think about it. I wouldn't doubt it. He was it. probably drunk. He was probably drunk, and there was possibly some sort of sexual harassment that took place, uh, whether it was in his office, on team grounds, wherever, uh, with either a male or a female employee, you know. And it was just recently uh, reported to whoever whoever it was reported to. But now that, now that I think of it, Lou, it really makes sense now, and yes. it's, I agree with I agree with what you said. It was a smart move uh, on his decision and on the Ducks' decision to uh, to for him to resign as general manager. Yes, because you don't need sort of like what we're seeing with the Blackhawks right now. You don't need that type of. Uh, you know that that type of uh, how do I put it distraction for their hockey club. I mean, you look at Anaheim right. right now; they're second. They're second in the Pacific Division right now. The last thing they need is their players to be uh, to be distracted by things other than hockey. Yeah. Which you gotta think that they would probably. Get uh, get asked about this. They would probably get asked about this uh, in interviews or whatnot. So I don't know. Uh, you know, obviously he is seeking help, so that's good news. But it is. You know, it's another one. It's another one bites the dust, and who knows. Who knows who's going to fall next? There's going to be At more of them, that's for sure. Uh, speaking of which, let's dive into the NFL. Because Oh, actually, no, wait a minute. Before we do that, let me go back to – hopefully I can find the report. Because uh, there was – we we all we know how there's been those uh there's been uh those problems having to deal with uh with NBA teams, right? Right. Well, apparently, okay, yeah, here we go. Uh the president of the Portland Trailblazers has reportedly resigned. Uh Chris McGowan has reportedly resigned from his position as Trailblazers president. And uh, supposedly he has said that this is separate from the Neil Olshey investigation. Uh, And apparently it was several months in the making, uh, McGowan has said, and Entirely separate from the Blazers' investigation into Olshi, uh, 
McGowan was originally part uh, was originally hired by Microsoft's co-founder Paul Paul Allen and reported to Jody Allen, who ended up inheriting control of the team following Paul Allen's death. Um, Dwayne Hankins, who previously served as the chief commercial officer of the Portland Trailblazers, will reportedly replace McGowan as president. Uh, It says here that. He wants to pursue other opportunities after being with the uh, Trailblazers for 10 years. And the only way he can do that is if he resigns and moves on. He says, my contract was coming up, so it was either that or we're going to be negotiating a new contract extension. I felt that my head wasn't 100% in moving ahead and being here longer. The window of opportunity where I can have those conversations with Jody about the future is right now. It had just felt like the right time for me. Uh, so he currently departs at a very tenuous time for the Trailblazers. So, you know, as we mentioned last week, not only is there an investigation going on uh, into Neil Olshey, yes. but also the fact that uh, they hired Chauncey Billups in June, which prompted backlash yeah. in light of his uh, of the allegation of sexual assault from 1997 against him. Uh, and subsequent reporting had revealed that the Blazers had not contacted his accuser as part of their vetting process and that the organization had cut ties with a private investigator involved in the Billups investigation after it was revealed that he had shared pornographic material on Twitter. Uh, and also, not to mention last month, the Blazers placed assistant coach Milt Palacio, a new member of Billups' staff, on leave after federal prosecutors had charged him and 17 other former NBA players with defrauding the league's retirement health care plan. So... Not to mention that Portland's coaching search process was one of several tension points uh, with franchise star Damian Lillard, who also expressed dissatisfaction with Portland's ability uh, to improve its roster under Olshie. Now with, you know, with uh, their president now resigning, and there's so much, you know, there's there's so many problems right now. Uh, going with going on with Portland, you know, it kind of makes you wonder. Yeah, could we could we potentially see, uh, you know, what's his what's his name, Damian Lillard, end up requesting a trade with with so much uncertainty? Yeah, I think right it very well surrounding. With so much uncertainty surrounding the uh, the future of the Portland Trailblazers organization as a whole, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. But I think he is going to request a trade. I mean, it also doesn't help either that you know now no. you have the guy you have the guy who is supposed to be. Uh, you know, the team president, he's supposed to be the guy who was who in control of all the operations. And now all of a sudden, you have somebody else taking the reins. Now, this might be a good thing. This might be a bad thing as well, because maybe maybe this new guy can, can sort of uh, 
can sort of help a little bit better with uh with Damian Lillard and his uh and his frustrations that he's had with the uh with the team. Who knows? But uh you know, in such a tumultuous time for Portland, it doesn't help that your lead executive is gone amidst all this. But, you know what, let's go into the NFL as we have, well, I mean, let's face it, we have quite the amount of uh, of stuff to talk about here. And why don't we start with John Gruden sticking up the gigantic middle finger to the NFL and Roger Goodell as he has officially mm-hmm. sued both the NFL and Roger Goodell for defamation of character. Uh, It says here in a statement that has been made through a malicious and orchestrated campaign, the NFL, the NFL and commissioner Roger Goodell sought to destroy the career and reputation of John Gruden, the former head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, The lawsuit that was filed on Thursday in Clark County district court had stated Gruden's lawyers also wrote in the 21-page complaint that the former coach was forced to resign after, after the defendants ratcheted up the pressure by intimating that further documents would become public if Gruden was not fired. So for those who don't remember, the only reason that John Gruden's emails became available was because that they were included in the investigation into the Washington football team. An investigation which, apart from the John Gruden emails, nothing else has come out from it. So you kind of have to wonder, Lou, was John Gruden potentially a victim of, of targeting by the NFL? The fact that they haven't released any they haven't released anything else involving the findings of the football yeah. team. Like they haven't even released whether or not uh whether or not, you know, Snyder was innocent or not in yes. the allegations that have been made about that have been made against him. You know, they haven't released anything. The only thing that's been made known is anything involving John Gruden involving the the racist comments yes. and uh and the sexist comments and and stuff like that those are literally the only things that have been made known throughout this whole entire ordeal yeah, yeah and, he, might playing, he might be playing the victim here well you could say he's playing the victim but keep in mind there's six supposedly there are 650,000 emails and you mean to yeah, tell me count. that you know you know you mean to tell me that John Gruden, somebody who isn't even with the organization and has never been with the Washington football team organization, is the only meaningful thing to come out of that investigation, and the fact that whenever the fact that Goodell claimed that he felt that Snyder had quote unquote learned his lesson. Supposedly, 
without even releasing any of the findings? I mean, to me, Lou, that seems kind of suspicious. And yeah, it does. the fact that they and the fact that they tried to intimidate the Oakland or the the Vegas Raiders too by saying that uh, more information would be leaked if they didn't fire uh, John Gruden. And let's keep in mind, John Gruden has said that he that uh, he loves and adores the Raiders. So this isn't on the Raiders. This is on uh, Goodell and the NFL as a whole. This whole ordeal. So yeah, but how do you sue someone who doesn't make a character when he doesn't have any character? Ooh. True, but at the same time, you know, I I can see the case he's making here. The fact that they have refused to, you know, normally when there's an independent investigation, normally everything is released. All of the findings, whether whether they're good or whether they're bad, you know, whether there's nothing to really report on or not, usually findings are released. And the fact that there's literally nothing to come out of this except for uh, a couple of emails from uh from uh involving John Gruden. Mm-hmm. I mean to me that that kind of seems like targeting. I think it is so a definition of targeting right there, so I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised by that. But how do you find nothing? There's gotta be something. I think there's something that's more than there's there is to be believed here. I think there is something more there. Yeah, it's probably a cover-up. Oh hell yeah! I mean the fact the fact that the fact that they didn't uh, you know they didn't release anything on the team, yeah. and the only thing the only thing that they've really even you know taken out of that whole thing is the fact that. John Gruden said a couple of said a couple of things when he wasn't even employed by any NFL team. I mean, why why release stuff like that to the media? Right. When he wasn't even with the team at the time. Unless you're trying to uh unless you're trying to do what he's calling character assassination. And it is his best claim, because when you think of it, if the supposedly secret Washington football team investigation emails had been kept secret, if the NFL had sent them to Davis, to Mark Davis and Mark Davis only, Davis quite possibly wouldn't have fired Gruden. Right. And it would actually be helpful to Gruden if Davis eventually admits that in open court. And I don't know that. it says that... It, you know, it says that if the league had not leaked the emails to the media, Gruden arguably could have continued to coach the uh, the Vegas Raiders. Yes. Also, Gruden, in his second count that he is uh, that he is uh, suing the NFL over, he alleges that the NFL and Goodell tortuously interfered with his future economic interests. Basically, he claims that leaking the emails necessarily dissuades others from ever doing business with him moving forward. 
and also this claim potentially encompasses the contract that Gruden may have signed with the Raiders beyond his 10-year, $100 million deal. The third count that he is suing under alleges negligence uh, when I scrolled too far, uh, alleges negligence generally against the NFL and Goodell. This potentially becomes the primary fallback argument to the notion that the league or Goodell deliberately leaked the emails, although the negligence count reiterates the contention that the emails were selectively leaked. Gruden claims that the NFL had a duty to safeguard the Washington football team emails and that the league failed to exercise reasonable care to prevent the documents from getting out. Now, the league can insist all that it wants that it didn't deliberately leak the Gruden emails, but the truth is that something happened to result in the, in the Gruden emails making their way out from behind uh, you know, from behind the, uh, the magic wall, if you want to put it that way. Someone mishandled them. Someone leaked them. Someone allowed them to be put in a position that resulted in the documents being leaked. So basically there's a doctrine in the law that's known as res ipsa loquitur, which is Latin for the thing speaks for itself, which essentially it means that, you know, in certain cases the mere occurrence becomes proof that negligence occurred. So in this case, the NFL's stubborn insistence that nothing from the investigation would be disclosed, coupled with the fact that a handful of pages were provided to the media, suggests yeah. that something screwy had transpired. The fourth claim, or I'm sorry, not the fourth, the fifth claim, or I'm sorry, it is the fourth what? claim, but the fourth and fifth, the fourth and fifth claims are reportedly intertwined with each other. The fourth claim alleges negligent hiring by the league. The argument boils down to a claim that the league entrusted these sensitive matters uh, to people who failed to protect them. This dovetails with the fifth claim that the NFL negligently supervised the employees responsible for handling the sensitive information. The sixth claim in the lawsuit accuses the NFL and Goodell of engaging in a civil conspiracy to engineer Gruden's forced resignation. So basically, in other words, he contends, Gruden contends that multiple people came mm-hmm. together and planned to take him out. Uh-huh. Now, what, now, whether the evidence will support Gruden's various claims depends on the documents and testimony that will be developed during the discovery process. Through it all, though, one fact is deniable. Uh, confidential emails that the league had collected and selected for submission to the Raiders ended up escaping the league's custody, and it ended up ending Gruden's NFL coaching career. So, I mean, it makes sense for Gruden to aggressively pursue how it happened. Yeah. Even though he got what he deserved for the emails, it doesn't give the NFL a license to selectively weaponize a few of the pages while concealing the rest of them. So this could potentially, A, be disastrous for the NFL, yes. but B, 
you know, you know, it, it it may also potentially expose plenty of things that the league would prefer to keep secret. But also, you know, this is this could be a gigantic black eye on the sport, and maybe perhaps we may also get to see just exactly what was in those emails as well, in regards to the uh, the Washington football right. team. I mean, what are your it thoughts? Has to come out some, you think it has to come out at some point later. It, it's got it's got to come out. Yeah, I mean, Lou, do you think that uh, do you think that this could be potentially disastrous for for the NFL and for Roger Goodell? The fact that uh, you know, because once discovery, once they go into discovery, anything can literally come out of this. Oh yeah, I mean Goodell, I think is going to be you know, it's going to be in a major trouble. I don't know if the NFL is going to be under you know a major you know a major trouble. I mean the other NFL after all, and they are a powerful you know team. They're a powerful union. When I don't see anything you know of, you know of a complete collapse, but Goodell, he is going to be in deep shit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, let me let me just put it let me just put it this way. You know, the NFL, you know, they're not in any, uh, you know, they're not in any potential trouble of disbanding or something. I'm not talking about that, but you know, yeah. it could be, it could be something to where you know it's a major black eye for this sport, and you know, well, maybe we before. might this, maybe this might cause uh, the NFL to find a new commissioner. Perhaps, if this oh, was perhaps. potentially a, if this was potentially a Goodell decision, and also another thing to keep in mind too, you know they're trying to be, uh, you know they they have all these deals with uh, with with uh, and and endorsements and everything, and yes. they just had they just had a uh, they just had signed a deal. Uh, exclusively for betting, be to be a betting partner uh, for different for different uh, betting organizations. So another thing you got to keep in mind here is: could the NFL potentially have something un- going on underneath the table? You know, in ter- we may potentially find out if yeah. games are potentially being fixed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that is that is cause of concern, and I think that might be a trend that some games I think God could be fixed. Because you know there's a I mean, there's a couple of uh, I mean obviously I mean obviously let's put it, let's put it this way obviously it's up to the players on the field you know to ultimately, uh, you know to ultimately get get the job done and and win or lose, uh, but. Yeah, yeah. You know, further investigation. If the if the NFL ends up co- coming under investigation here, there could be stuff that could be revealed. Like, for example, involving the referees. You know, with all yeah. the all the bad calls that have happened, and the use of replay and everything. There's a lot of stuff that could potentially get uncovered that the NFL yeah. wants to keep secret. Yeah, eventually I think it's going to come out. 
I mean, with, with the call oh. that the risk making, you know, there there is a there is, I think, some the conspiracy here. Yeah, and you know, all of this could have been kept secret if yeah. if Gruden was never fired or not fired, but he ended up resigning. But let's face it, he would have probably right. been fired by the Raiders. Oh, no question. So. I mean, obviously, you know, the likely the likely scenario here is he will probably enter a settlement with the NFL, more than likely. Uh, you know, who knows? Who knows what else, what else may potentially come about? You know, if they do end up deciding to go to to go through court in this. Because let's keep let's keep in mind here. I, I highly doubt he'll settle with the NFL because. Let's face it, his NFL career is over after uh, the emails that had leaked out and everything. His right. NFL career is over. So wouldn't you think he's probably going to want to do as much damage as possible to the league before officially, uh, before officially leaving? So, yes. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think he's going to be uh, settling – with the NFL at any point in time. No, no. So this could get ugly very quickly. And, you know, pro football talk, they actually uh, warned that something like this could potentially happen. In terms of, uh, you know, some of the, some of the stuff that maybe Roger Goodell and the league could potentially you know, could potentially be uh, be trying to hide and sweep under the rug. That wouldn't surprise me. And actually, it says here, uh, you know, that, well, actually, no, I, I actually just read all this. Uh, Pro Football Talk just basically reposted everything that I had, that I had uh, read on the air here. Uh, but, you know, need, needless to say, this is obviously going to be a uh, very long-term, uh, long-term issue, and you know who knows who knows how long this may go on for. It's been going for quite a while. Possibly, I wouldn't doubt. I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, Man, you know, like like I said, just just when we thought that there weren't any, there wasn't, uh, yeah. it, there was going to be an end to the controversies for once. Nope. No. Uh, now we go over to the L.A. Rams, as they have agreed to terms with wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. following his yes. release from the Cleveland Browns. Uh, supposedly, his deal is a one-year deal worth about one and a, one and a quarter million guaranteed. However, the deal oh. does include another. It includes another three million in team-based incentives, based on how the Rams finish the regular season and the postseason. So it could be worth up to four and a quarter million total. Hmm. And. 
this couldn't have come, honestly, at a better time for the Rams, especially considering Robert Woods uh, tore his ACL in practice yesterday. Immediately, yeah, you know, following that deal. So, if anything, Odell Beckham is probably going to slot in as the number two wide receiver now on this LA Rams uh, on this LA Rams offense. And he's going from a run first attack in this in this move. He's going from a run first attack to a pass obsessed offense. Uh, getting a major upgrade at quarterback as well, replacing uh, replacing having to catch passes from Baker Mayfield to having to catch passes from Matthew Stafford, which, let's face it, it is an upgrade. Um, and also, all in all, he's playing in a more explosive offense than the one he left in Cleveland. And basically, it's not it's not to put a ding on Kevin Stefanski's excellent system, but if you want to be if if you want to be a wide receiver, you want to be in Sean McVay's uh, system yeah. when it comes to offense. Now, obviously, uh, Beckham's arrival does return Van Jefferson down to the bottom of the barrel uh, when it comes to wide receivers, and it probably leaves Tyler Higby as more of a second tight end rather than a first tight end in terms of fantasy, uh, fantasy prospects. Uh, it does say it is currently unclear if Beckham will be active for Monday evening's game against the, against the 49ers. Uh, but the extra day to get up to speed on the Rams playbook greatly enhances the odds that he may potentially be out there for the game. So what are your thoughts on this deal, Lou? Because, at first, you know, the, the the Rams have seemingly been going all in this year for the Super yeah. Bowl, especially with the excellent start that they've been off to. Right. And now yeah. all of a sudden, you know, before before Woods' injury, their offense was good enough to begin with, but now they add Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, dear. I mean, if he can – granted, he's been subpar since he joined – since uh, he was a member of the – Cleveland Browns, but if mm-hmm. he can get anywhere close to the type of player that he once was uh, with the New York Giants, you know, but he's not knows. a player he once was. I mean, he had a great first year, but since then he hasn't really done much, and he's in all kinds of trouble and doing these ridiculous uh, online videos and whatnot. This is not the same old Odell Beckham that was honestly becoming a superstar in his first year of existence, his first year of the league. So do you think that maybe perhaps this is, well, how should I put this? Uh, That this this is, uh, you know, quite the overhyped signing? That is quite the overhyped signing of Odell Beckham Jr. When really the one thing he's really ever known for is yeah. for uh, you know making that one-handed catch as a uh, as a New York Giant. Yeah, how quickly you know how he rose and how quickly he fell after that. I mean, really. I mean, yeah, you took 
you take a look. You take a look at his career stats. His first three years in the league, he averaged around eleven to twelve touchdowns per season. Right. His first three years in the league. Then his final two years with the Giants, he had nine touchdowns total, three uh, three touchdowns in an injury shortened twenty seventeen season, and six touchdowns in a another injury shortened uh, twenty eighteen season. Then his first year in Cleveland, he had four touchdowns. He had three touchdowns in a injury or in a uh, in a shortened 2020 season, and through six games this year, he had no touchdowns. And he was basically told by uh, by Kevin Stefanski to just stay home. Yeah, that's what he should have done. What happened? I mean, you know, he has really fallen. He has really fallen the deep end. Yeah, he has. So I, you know, I think the question is: is it the quarterback, or is it the player himself? Because you know, mm. it's one thing. It's one thing to be able to make the catches. It's another thing yeah. to be able to have a quarterback that can get you that ball in order to make those catches. Because keep in mind, the first. Keep in mind the first couple of years of his career. Uh, I mean, when did uh, when did Daniel Jones officially take over? Jones took over in uh, tw- not that long ago. I think it was uh, either twenty twenty or twenty nineteen. Not that long ago. Okay, so in that case, wait. Yeah, let yeah. me see. 20... Wait, was Eli still was Eli still the quarterback when they got Saquon Barkley? Yes. Okay, so yeah, it was that it was 2019 or 2020, which Odell Beckham Jr. was already gone, anyways. Uh, but you know, you go from catching passes from Eli Manning to catching passes from Baker Mayfield. You know, it's a significant step down. Even though, you know, all the jokes that yeah. have been made about Eli Manning later on in his career, you know, uh-huh. in his final season, in his final season with Eli Manning, he caught six touchdown passes from right. Eli. So, you know, the closest he ever got with Baker Mayfield was his very first season when he caught four touchdown passes. And that was two years ago. Now you bring in somebody, you, you, you pair him up with somebody like Matthew Stafford, who is, and keep in mind, this is a pass heavy offense as opposed to the run heavy offense, as opposed to the run heavy offense that he uh, dealt with in Cleveland you know, with uh, with them having Nick Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt out there, which, by the way, neither will play tomorrow uh, against the Patriots because right. Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb is currently still in COVID protocol, uh, and I believe Kareem Hunt is still on injured reserve. Um, also, Felton will not be able to play due to COVID, right. uh, so. But that's beside the point. You know, the fact is that right. uh, Odo Beckham Jr., he's, 
he's dealing with a much better situation offensively out in L.A., in my opinion, than he did out in Cleveland. Because he was, he was complaining in Cleveland about how he wasn't getting enough, enough looks his way. Which, I mean, honestly, you take a you. If if we look through six games, he's only had seventeen catches for two hundred and thirty-two yards, an average about thirteen point six yards per play. Uh, and he had also two rushing attempts, also for fourteen yards. So it seems like he hasn't real. He wasn't really given the opportunity to really do much this year. So maybe perhaps, you know, being inserted into a pass-heavy offense, especially now with Robert Woods going down, so he's going to be the number two option. You know, maybe perhaps we'll start to see more of – it'll be interesting to see if we see more of the old Odell Beckham Jr., uh, the the New York Times Odell Beckham Jr., I don't think he'll ever be because, because uh, well, I'm not saying he would be he would he would go back to being the ten, you know, the ten touchdown a season, Odell Beckham. But you know, we could at least see like you know maybe six touchdowns, uh, you know, at least see more production out of him. Get him, yeah. the, give him the opportunity to make more plays as opposed to. Uh, you know, as opposed to what he was getting out in Cleveland. But, you know, needless to say, it does look like there's definitely, uh, it it looks like the LA Rams are definitely going all in uh, with this, with this season so far. Uh, What are, what are your thoughts, Lou, on, on the signing? of Odell Beckham for, uh, for LA, you know, do you think that this could potentially, uh, I mean, LA is already a contender to begin with, but do you think this could, do you think this could potentially move the needle at all, uh, when it comes to where they stand as far as contention goes? I don't think it's going to really change uh, anything much at all. I mean, the Rams are still contending. You know, if if he can get his act together, you know, maybe there's you know there is hope and you know maybe take the division one up. But he really has you know because he can also be you know a cancer like he became for the Giants. You know, first season he was great, but then after that he just became you know became a joke. So you know, I'm just hoping that he doesn't you know, and then of course the Browns. So he's you know he's, he's falling in you know in a destructive path, uh, career-wise. I yeah. Mean. So you know. Yeah. He can either help. He can either help uh, the Rams, or he could be uh, you know their biggest curse. Because he's yeah, playing exactly. like, he's exactly. playing like an you know, idiot that, anyway. That's exactly the same thing that uh, that Tim, who uh, Tim that runs the uh, the sports uh, or the games gridiron. Uh, game every week. That's the exact same same sentiment oh, that yeah. he told me. That he believes Thanks, this could potentially. That he he thinks this could potentially be. Uh, he could potentially be their curse as opposed to being a help 
Right. Oh, this is a big play here. Arkansas and LSU, fourth and one, but there is a flag. It looked like Arkansas maybe had gotten had gotten through the uh, had gotten through for the first down mm-hmm. that they had stretched it out, but oh, illegal for May. Oh, that is not good. Nope. Nope, it now goes from a fourth and one to now a fourth and I think a legal formation is what, five yards? Fourth and one to now a fourth and six. So now Arkansas is probably going to have to punt it. Well, this is my stupid moment of the week. But anyways, you know, reg- regardless, uh, this there's always the possibility that, you know, maybe this backfires. On uh, on LA, but as far as able bodies, you know they definitely need it now, especially with with the fact that uh, you know with the fact that Robert uh, Robert Woods is now out for the year with a torn ACL. Speaking of torn ACLs, uh, Matt Paradis. Uh, former Super Bowl champion with the uh, Denver Broncos uh, during Super Bowl 50. Uh, He suffered a torn ACL in the loss for the Panthers last week against the New England Patriots. Uh, He will miss the remainder of this season with the injury as he was placed on on season-ending injured reserve earlier this week. Uh, he is also joined by left tackle Cam Irving, who suffered a calf injury in the same game as well, though that injury is not considered to be season-ending uh, as far as Irving goes. But that's not the big Carolina Panthers story to talk about. The big Carolina Panthers story to talk about is that the Panthers have officially reunited with Cam Newton on a one-year, $10 million contract with $4.5 million guaranteed. And it, beg, you know, it, beg, it begs to wonder how desperate must you be to give a quarterback $10 million to play nine games? It would be very desperate. But my co-host is happy, so... For reference, his last his last deal with the Patriots only included one and a half million in guarantees. Right, and they clearly feel that Newton is a much better is a much better uh, option as a starter than PJ Walker, who is currently the backup. As Sam Darnold. He is done for the year or close to the whole year uh, with, with, a, uh, with an injury that he's dealing with as well as he was placed on injured reserve. Um, I forget what they said exactly the injury was. Uh, oh, it's a fractured yeah. scapula, it says. Fractured. That reportedly he's – Right. Yeah, a fractured – Scapula, it says. That's what he's been playing with uh, the past couple of weeks. Yes. Which, as far as the scapula goes, that's basically 
that's basically the uh you know the uh doctor term for shoulder blade. So basically he has right. a fractured shoulder blade essentially. Yeah, why can't they just use regular words instead of using all the Latin terms all the time? Jeez. Well, I didn't know about I didn't know about that until I looked it up right now actually. Yeah, I know. Well, that was that was in the report earlier, but I mean, you know, if it's a shoulder injury, just say shoulder injury for the rest of us. So we have to look stupid. Yeah, I know. I I mean, I literally had to look it up just now to right to uh, to try and figure out what a scapula is. Uh, but yeah. you know, I almost kind of have to wonder if them bringing in Newton sort of takes away from Christian McCaffrey's uh, value because normally they haven't they haven't dealt with. Uh, heavy run quarterbacks since Newton was originally with the team. And, Mm -hmm. you know, McCaffrey has been such a huge star for the Panthers that, you know, they've they've never had to have a quarterback who was primarily a runner. But now with Newton coming back, I mean, I mean, let's face it, it. Based off of what we saw uh, with him with the Patriots, running is probably his best attribute. So, do you think that perhaps Newton uh, bringing back Newton this may potentially have an effect on uh, on uh, Christian McCaffrey? No, I think it wouldn't. I don't. I think McCaffrey's going to be. Pretty ticked off. I mean, there's not gonna be. I don't think there'll be room for two of them. I think he's gonna. I think there's gonna be some. Uh, there's gonna be some pretty bad blood here with this. Oh boy. I mean, it's definitely. You know, it's definitely possible uh, that. Yeah. We could see McCaffrey's value sort of take a dip a little bit, especially if Newton decides he wants big to take dip. things into his own hands. Yeah, especially if Newton decides, you know, that he wants to take things into his own hands. Yeah. Uh, Now, the Raiders, you know, going back to the Raiders for a little bit here, uh, they waived cornerback Damon Arnett earlier this week after a video of him flashing multiple firearms and verbally threatening someone surfaced last week which basically spurred uh, the former number 19 overall picks release here. Uh, Arnett also reportedly crashed four rental cars within roughly a month, at which, at which point we can assume he was banned from renting cars in the state of Nevada. So now without – He banned permanently. Paired – so now paired with Henry Ruggs' recent release, the Raiders are now without both of the first-round picks that they made in 2020. Mm. And Arnett failed to make much of an impact in a season and a half. He only appeared in four games this year before suffering a groin injury that sent him to injured reserve. Uh, he ended up breaking up one pass, and he logged four combined tackles in each of those four non-starts. Um, so that's, you know, that's just another issue that the, uh, the Raiders have had to deal with this year. Yeah. 
Good news for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Russell Wilson has reportedly been cleared to play in, uh, in this week's matchup against the Green Bay Packers, which also another uh, good news for the Packers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was officially activated off of the COVID-19 slash reserve list this week. Oh, you mean the liar. Now, the doctor who performed Wilson's surgery last month gave the all-clear uh, for Wilson to return this week. And at 3-5, and five, Wilson and the Seahawks will have to win at least seven of their final nine games in order to ensure that they make the playoffs. Well, obviously, mm-hmm. obviously his return is good news for both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Uh, yeah. Which... Obviously, they have monster numbers with Wilson as opposed to uh, Geno Smith. However, however, though, it says the Seahawks could lean heavily on the run against the run-funnel Green Bay defense this week. Now, Aaron Rodgers, you know, going back to what you said, you think think he's a liar with the whole – Liar. With the whole COVID, uh, the whole COVID situation, yes, that he, uh, that you know, we obviously discussed last week. I mean, it's let's face it, Green Bay is better off with Aaron Rodgers than without Aaron Rodgers, because we saw what they did yeah. with with, uh, with Jordan Love last week. A disaster in the making. I've, I mean, let's let's just face it. Jordan Love is not the answer to uh, life after Aaron Rodgers. They're gonna have yeah. to come up with some other. They're gonna have to come up with some other uh, some other solution because there is no way that they are winning with Jordan Love after this season. Yeah, if, no love if, uh, here. If Aaron Rodgers decides to leave, I think he will leave though after this season. You do? I think he's, I I think this is gonna be it. You know, all well, it doesn't, all it doesn't it, surprise me. No, no, nobody should be surprised by this. It doesn't surprise me considering his, uh, you know, cons- considering his tumultuous his tumultuous relationship that he has with their with their general manager. So, right. uh, I would not be shocked at all. If uh, if Rogers ends up uh, seeking to play oh. elsewhere, I was thinking he was going to call it quits. Oh, you think you think he'll retire as a whole? I do, I do. Well, you know, I guess maybe I could see that. I could kind of, I could kind of see that. You know, considering uh, considering where he is right now at this point in his career. Um, I mean, he's what, uh, 37, I think. Yeah. So maybe he would have, maybe he would have a few more years and, you know, who knows when it comes to the whole COVID issue, assuming COVID is going to stick around for, for the foreseeable future, you know, Rogers, we all know Rogers' stance. On, on COVID and the fact that he's he he lied about being about being vaccinated. That's right. You know who knows if 
who knows exactly uh, what's going to happen when it comes to him uh, moving forward. Yeah. Uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter has reported that Vikings running back Dalvin Cook is reportedly the victim of domestic abuse and extortion, and there is pending litigation, apparently, involving Cook. which let me bring up a little bit more about this. Uh, Supposedly he has been accused of assault by uh, his former girlfriend. He's been accused of assault, battery, and false imprisonment related to an altercation that allegedly occurred at his Minnesota home nearly a year ago, to which Cook claimed on Wednesday that he was the one who was assaulted. Cook's former girlfriend, Gracelyn Trimble, accuses him of intentionally striking her multiple times in November of 2020, which caused her pain and suffering, mental anguish, humiliation, and injuries which include a concussion, lacerations, bruising, and scarring, according to a lawsuit that was filed on Tuesday. Trimble, who is a U.S. Army Sergeant First Class living in Texas, flew to Minnesota to retrieve her belongings from his residence after learning of further infidelity in Cook's part, according to the lawsuit that was filed uh, in Uh the Dakota County District Court. Uh, She entered through Cook's garage and grabbed mace she stored there to defend herself as she feared what Cook may do as she packed her items up, the lawsuit states. Trimble went to the living room where Cook and two other people were and asked Cook to help her get her belongings. Cook reportedly grew angry, grabbed her arm, and slung her whole body over the couch, slamming her face into the coffee table and causing her lower forehead and the bridge of her nose to bust open and start gushing blood, the lawsuit says. Trimble attempted to point the mace towards Cook to defend herself, but was unsuccessful due to his overpowering strength. Instead, the mace primarily sprayed into Trimble's eyes, it says here. And there were several pictures of a bruised and injured Trimble that were included in the lawsuit. Uh, They were included as exhibits. Uh, Also, according to the lawsuit, Cook reportedly threatened to kill her while pointing a gun at her head and that Trimble was confined when Cook picked her up and refused to let her leave. Trimble is seeking monetary damages in excess of $50,000. However, the actual number was supposedly $500,000. As far as me. Now, According to his agent, Dalvin Cook is supposedly the victim. Uh, As Cook said that the truth and the details about the situation will come out at a further time. I got my head up high knowing the truth will come out. Cook's agent, Zach Hiller, said he is adamant that Dalvin is the victim here and did nothing wrong. According to his his attorney, David uh, Valentini, Trimble allegedly broke into Cook's home, assaulted him and two others, and is attempting to extort him for millions of dollars. 
Sergeant Trimble unlawfully and without the consent or knowledge of Mr. Cook entered his residence in Invergrove Heights, according to Valentini, uh, that he said in a statement to CNN. Sergeant Trimble gained entry into Mr. Cook's residence with a stolen garage door opener. Upon entry into the residence, Sergeant Trimble immediately and without provocation physically assaulted Mr. Cook, punched him repeatedly, and maced him in the eyes, directly in the eyes, and then maced his two house guests. Valentini added that Trimble used a gun to force Cook and his guests to remain in his residence for several hours. Uh, During this hostage situation, Sergeant Trimble tried to again assault a female guest of Mr. Cook, and when Mr. Cook tried to stop the attack, Sergeant Trimble was knocked to the ground and suffered a small cut above her nose. These facts are reportedly confirmed by at least two independent witnesses. Uh, The NFL has said in the statement that it will review the matter under its personal conduct policy. Uh, They have said that we are, we will continue to monitor developments, but there is no change to his status. And the Vikings are currently unaware, or I mean, they are currently aware of the ongoing dispute between the parties. uh, The team told CNN in a statement and They said, upon learning of this, we immediately notified the NFL we are in the process of gathering more information and will withhold further comment at this time. And since this is a civil complaint per league policy, Cook will not be placed on the commissioner's exempt list, though that wouldn't really make much sense anyways, considering they haven't even placed John Watson on the exempt list yet. Um. Cook did say that he has not been contact. He has not been in contact with the league. Uh, he is expecting to be in the lineup tomorrow when the Vikings play the Chargers in L.A. So, I mean, uh, we we do have JB joining us. Uh, so I'm gonna get JB's Hi, thoughts on this. Uh, I'm gonna get JB's thoughts on this in a few minutes. But let's start with you, Lou. What do you think of this whole? incident because it seems like there's two conflicting stories tremble yeah there are cook's cook's former girlfriend is claiming that he's the one who struck her multiple times and i have seen the photos and by the way she did look completely fucked up like like as if somebody took swings at her well that's the thing mostly in these cases you know it usually is winding up you know with you know, the guy being the girlfriend, she looks like a, looks a mess and did the physical damage to her. So I'm sure it's probably going to go that way again. I mean, that's how it usually happens. And yet, Dalvin Cook's, on Dalvin Cook's side, supposedly they have two witnesses that were involved in the, alter, in the altercation who are claiming that he is innocent and that they were actually held hostage by Sergeant Trimble. So I mean, Lou, what are you? What are your thoughts right. on this? You know, who who do you think is in the wrong here? Hmm. Well, I think, I think he's. I think he's in the wrong. You know, you know, being a withdrawal from one. You know, that's what something you shouldn't even do anyway. So yeah, it's gonna be a 
gonna be blamed. It's gonna be on him. But, but when you take it when when you when you when you uh when you take it from Dalvin's account, it sounds like he did it in self defense. Well, that's usually in you know, their their alibi. They always say it was in self defense. But nevertheless you're still you're still put you know phys- you physically abused them. So what else are they gonna do? Of course they're gonna try to defend themselves. True. But I mean the fact that she supposedly had held them at gunpoint and mm-hmm. also supposedly had mace and that her injuries were basically a result of uh basically a result of of the scuffle that they had gotten into during this whole mm-hmm. thing. When she began to, according to uh, according to Dalvin Cook's uh, attorney, Sergeant Trimble had tried to again assault a female guest of Mr. Cook, and when Mr. Cook tried to stop the attack, Trimble was knocked to the ground and suffered a small cut above her nose, and that those facts were supposedly confirmed by at least two independent witnesses. So. I don't know. It's it's so hard. It's so hard to determine because it's, it, it is. Can you know the way the right. way that it was, the way that it was originally reported, and Adam Schefter was the first one to report this. Adam Schefter had reported it as if he was the victim of extortion, and and uh, you know uh, and assault. And also the fact that she's seeking at the very least, I mean, the CNN article says $50,000, but uh, according to, I forget if it was Ian Rappaport or something, one of the main football uh, reporters said that the actual number is $500,000, mm. in excess of 500000 I but think that's probably JB, Rappaport, though. JB, let's bring you in on on this. What are your thoughts? You know, ju- just based off of what you've heard, who do you think uh, is potentially telling the truth here, involving uh, Minnesota star running back Dalvin Cook? You know, stuff stuff like this. It's like who who uh, who, who do you believe? Uh, it's been going on and going on, uh, you know, these, uh, you know, these players say, well, you know, uh, it wasn't really, it wasn't really how, uh, you know, how it came out. And even though his, uh, you know, girlfriend has, uh, uh, you know, scars on her face and everything like that from this incident. You don't know if she was, and I don't mean this in a, um, I don't know how to explain it, but, you know, she might, she might have been one to 
how can I say it? I don't want to say instigate it, but mm. you got to know that she was one that was uh, yelling and screaming at this at this guy afterwards. And supposedly, what I'm uh, reading on uh, the ESPN uh, site was that she flew to Minnesota to break up with uh, Cook and uh, get her belongings from uh, from the house. And yeah. then things uh, allegedly turned uh, violent. So you don't know who said what to who first, even though, uh, you know, even though talking and saying saying words really shouldn't uh really shouldn't uh you know cause you to you know hit a woman well, or a woman hitting a guy but yeah nobody ever talks about that do they yeah it it but it 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 happens yeah i know but it doesn't but it barely gets noticed yeah, and you you know we don't know, uh, you know who said what to whom, and you know we don't know who, uh, you know, hit who first. If that's the you know if that was uh, you know somebody hit somebody first, we don't well, I know mean, the that. The fact that this is the fact that this is supposedly that. Uh, his side of the story is supposedly backed up by two independent uh, witnesses, you know, to the whole situation. I mean, we and that really right, have that right there, that right there, that right there tells me that this will go to uh, court. And we will find out who these independent witnesses, you know, quote, independent yeah. witnesses, end quote, yes. are at the time of the, uh, you know, at the, at the time of, uh, you know, the trial, if it does come to trial. Yeah. I think it By will. the way, speaking of trial, do, do you think it will go to trial or do you think it will end up being settled? Uh, no, I, uh, I think it'll end up being settled myself. Whoa. Oh, we got a final. Arkansas 16, LSU 13 in overtime. In in overtime. I just, saw, I just saw that. <laughs> uh, Arkansas improves to se- Arkansas improves to 7 and 3 after a very crucial interception. A very crucial interception for uh okay, at least they resolved the, you know, uh, for it's Arkansas. Not like that nine overtime game that happened a few weeks ago. Oh, that was ridiculous. But it's Arkansas's first win against LSU since 2015. Hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh my God! And wait a minute. Let me. Kansas has the ball with a minute and 10 left and they're about to pick up a 49 to 42 victory over Texas following an interception. 
Wow. Uh, okay. The the one in eight Kansas Jayhawks. <laughs> oh man. Are about to are about to beat the four and five Texas Longhorns. After a, I think Texas didn't Texas get off to a four and zero start or something this year? Yes. Yes. After a four. Yeah, I know they got off start, to a three and zero. Was it three and zero or was it four and zero? Well, I know they got off to three and zero. I didn't know that uh, you know it was four and zero, and then they lost. Uh, I know they lost uh, you know some games in a row, but uh, yeah, I know they lost. A, I know they lost a game that they should have won. That it yeah. should have been a no brainer, and then they ended up losing, and that's what started this entire skid. And now. Th- well, wait a minute. No, Texas does get the ball back with 44 seconds left, so maybe they can do something here. But if Texas drops this, this may be the most humiliating loss of the season. Because, you know, uh, I, I I said this stat to Lou earlier, and he had to he had to make me do a double take uh, to make sure I said this correctly. But in a span of 85 seconds. Kansas scored three touchdowns. Yeah, doesn't surprise me. In a span, in a span of eighty-five seconds, because there was there was a uh, there was a touchdown run, there was a touchdown pass, and then there was an interception returned all the way back for a touchdown. Well, then again, I don't know how far out it was that the interception was, but it was uh, from from 2.25 left of the second quarter all the way down to a minute left of the second quarter. Well, if you picked and Oklahoma State, the, uh, it's a no-brainer there. Uh, let's see. Where is Oklahoma State? At, oh, at TCU? 56-17. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, – well, that should have been a no-brainer, yeah. anyways. To begin, well, that reminds me, I gotta update the scoreboard when I get the chance. Um, oh, never mind. Texas has looks like they are about to tie this. Forty-nine, forty-nine apiece, I think, because Texas just scored a touchdown. But can they get the conversion? Can they get the field goal though? I don't know, but uh, yeah, three touchdowns in 85 seconds for Kansas earlier tonight. But you know, you know what, uh, JB? Let me get your thoughts on the uh, John Gruden situation that we talked that uh, Lou and I had discussed earlier. Uh, with John Gruden now officially suing both the league and Commissioner Roger Goodell for uh, for defamation of character, as he feels yeah, that I gl- they I flat over, out I glanced him. over that the other night, but I didn't read it. Well, it's on. He's being he's suing them on six counts, basically different counts that he's suing them on, and. You know, uh, Lou and I had discussed 
that maybe perhaps this might result in a whole bunch of stuff coming out about the league, a whole bunch of stuff that they may want to keep that they may want to keep under wraps. And now with this stuff coming out, you know the type of impact that it might potentially have on the league uh, as a whole. Yeah, I, I what, can see what that happening. What are your thoughts, JB? Do you, I, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, considering the stuff that Gruden is suing over, the fact that he feels he was targeted, that out of all the 650,000 emails that were recovered from the Washington football team, uh, that supposedly his was the only one to, uh, to be leaked out to the media and that it it has essentially ruined his entire NFL career. Uh, He probably will never coach ever again in the NFL, either as a coordinator or as a head coach. I mean, do you think that his, that his lawsuit uh, has any legs at all? Just from what I read, uh, I don't, I don't see him uh coming uh coming ahead. I don't see him getting anything. No? I don't think so. I mean, it's kind of, it's it's kind of a surprise when you think about it because you know, how how can the NFL refuse to you know, normally when they do an investigation, you normally release the findings. The NFL has basically kept everything secret, all except the uh, all except the emails that were released uh, about John Gruden, and also the fact that uh, they even threatened the Raiders to expose th- that they were going to expose more emails unless something was done, and he w- and he got fired. So it seems to wow. me. Like this was more of the NFL targeting Gruden, in particular. Yeah, now that you say, you know, saying it that that way, yeah. With that kind, with that kind of, with that kind of toxic environment that that Washington has had for the last uh, however many years, you mean to tell me that, that that those emails were literally the only thing? To come out of that investigation? Yeah, now that I think about it, no. There's got to be more to it than that. You know. I mean, it's... Rethinking uh, what I, uh, you know, originally said. You know, Lou and I talked about this earlier. This could be a potential major black eye I mean, you know, obviously the NFL, the NFL, the NFL isn't going away, regardless. But no. could this potentially result in a ch- maybe a change of commissioner? The fact that you know now, now, if they if they have to go into an investigation of the NFL, we're gonna we're gonna probably find out about a lot of stuff that's going on under yeah. wraps. Like I don't know, oh, 
their uh, their deal that they have with betting uh, with different uh, betting organizations ever since sports betting became legal. Uh, I don't know the uh, you know the potential rigging of certain games with how mm-hmm. with how certain games are officiated. You know, there's potentially if the, if this ends up going through to discovery, because once it hits discovery, there's a lot of stuff that's going to come out. Everything is going to come Shit out. Shit will hit the fan. And maybe, perhaps, some of it might include the Washington, or not ju- not just the Washington Football Team, but maybe perhaps stuff that the NFL wants to keep under wraps. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it could be. It, it, it definitely could be. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It could be uh, not disastrous, but well, kind of disastrous, but damaging to the NFL yeah. as a whole. Yes. And by the way, we are headed into overtime, 49-49 Kansas and Texas. Wow. Which means that Evan officially gets a point for his uh, for his pick of the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, what bad channel news is for that? you, Lou. Oh, what? Uh, the game is on ESPNU. Oh, okay. I don't get ESPNU. Yeah. But uh, bad, bad news for you, Lou, uh, for the for Major League Baseball, uh, according to Yankee general manager Brian Cashman, uh, he yeah. said Thursday that Zach that Zach Britton is likely to miss the entire upcoming 2022 season. I see with his Tommy with, with Tommy John surgery. Now there was something I want to bring on baseball, uh, saying how the how the Braves, you know. Got the World Series, and everybody else, you know, is just bitching about it, saying how they just, how they just got a, got away with it, saying like it was like a, a, um, cancer type like um, uh, move. How they were, how it was phrased, you know. The other, the other players are happy, you know. Look, I just look at it this way: the Braves made the right acquisitions at the right time. That's how they were able to win the World Series. You know, I've seen the bullshit stuff that's been put out there by Scott Boris with him saying yeah. that uh, with him saying that it's the result of teams tanking and shit like that. Tanking, come you on. Know, Bor- Boris, obviously, he wants to he wants to do what's best for his uh, for his players, for his respective players yeah. that he manages. But I mean, come on. You know, the, this game, this 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 year, you mean to tell me that the Atlanta Braves, their championship win is a result of teams like the Boston Red Sox, the Houston Astros, the L.A. Dodgers, the San Francisco Giants. Yeah. All, all, all the big teams that were in the playoffs this year. That Atlanta 
surpassing everybody is the result of tanking? I don't think that's stupid. I mean, granted, yeah, maybe I can understand. Dumb. I can understand maybe his point of view is the fact that the fact that L.A. and San Francisco had to face off against each other in the fir- in the very first round. That's that's an immediate threat removed uh, removed yes. right from the beginning. So maybe maybe his argument is the fact that the Braves, you know, okay, they had to face, uh, you know, they had they had to face. Uh, Milwaukee first before they ended up uh, facing off against the Dodgers and then against the Astros. You know, maybe I can understand his argument there with the fact that, uh, you know, just with with the fact that they didn't have to go against the Giants, for example. But right, I mean that's just that's just the whole aspect of. of the whole entire season itself and the playoff format. I don't think you can necessarily blame tanking for that. No. No. Uh-uh. I mean, J- JB, you know, uh, I don't think we had you on last week, did we? No. Uh-uh. I, I was wanting to go on. But I went to bed early, and I thought, well, you know, my uh, alarm will, you know, go off, and I'll, you know, talk for a little bit. But I must have slept. I, I think I what I did is put my uh, uh, telephone under me under my uh, pillow, and I. Uh, Deleted uh, deleted the alarm in case I was uh, you know because I I wasn't really feeling uh, you know too good and I thought well you know if I wake up I'll call if I don't ah well and I think right. I woke yeah. up like about ten fifty nine I thought there is no way I'm gonna be able to get in. <laughs> well, well, what are your what are your thoughts on? Uh... What are your thoughts on the Atlanta Braves uh, Cinderella season and them get uh, you know winning the World Series like they did? Well, I didn't watch the World Series, uh, and I think it was oh, what was it? One of those weeks where. Um, you said, you know, where you said that uh, you know, if Atlanta wins, uh, they only have to uh, you know, win one more game. And I think the next game uh, the Astros won. I might be wrong. Yeah, and they, then, they uh, took a 3-1, and, they and, took a three one lead and then they took a three one lead and then Astros won game five before the Braves won game six won game six. Right. And with me, I have I don't even have any idea of uh you know, when of, of when that even was. But I was I guess I was happy because uh, the the Braves were 
in the same uh, league as the, uh, you know, Reds. And I thought, hey, you know, uh, go with the uh, National League team. But I was happy that they won, really. Yeah, I mean, think about it. You know, a how, how many wins was it, Lou? 86? Something around that. I think it was like I think it was something it was something like eighty six wins this year, and that team was able to win the was able to win the World Series. It's it's exactly like you said, Lou. With with all of the all of the moves that they made this year, and keep in mind they pretty much gave up next to nothing. Yeah. For uh, for these acquisitions. All of the moves that they made, and yet, and, and they basically got premium talent for literally nothing. And keep in mind that uh, a lot of those talents, I believe, actually won gold gloves this year. So, you know, clearly, there's uh, definitely. There's de- there's definitely a um, whatever whatever they did this year when it came to you know when it came to managing their roster. If you can get premium talent without having to barely touch, uh, you know, having without having to barely touch your prospect pool, that is a win in in and of itself. Let's see. Here we yeah. go. Here are the season standings. Now it, it was eighty-eight wins. They had. They were eighty-eight and seventy-three this year. Okay. So, I mean, it's obvious. You know, they won the NL East because let's face it: Philadelphia sucks, New York sucks, Miami sucks, and Washington sucks. So, yeah. It, yeah. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a shocker that they made the playoffs. I think the biggest yeah. shocker was the fact that they they were without Ronald Acuna Jr. They lost uh, they lost yeah. Charlie Morton. They lost Charlie Morton in Game One with a fractured uh, with a fractured leg. And by the way, keep in mind, I, I still think it's very impressive that he struck out two batters after fracturing that leg. Uh, you know, there's. There was a lot of stuff that seemingly went wrong in Atlanta, but yet all of a sudden they just had a complete resurgence. And actually, let me check. Apart from San Francisco and L.A., they were third in the National League in run differential with 134 runs, uh, 134 runs more uh, scored more than they allowed. So, you know, it's they, whatever they did, it definitely worked. And I mean, Obviously. okay, maybe, you know, maybe uh, with teams at at better health, okay, maybe maybe we don't see an Atlanta Braves World Series win, but. 
to say that teams that teams won or that Atlanta won because other teams tanked, I don't I don't think that's an accurate assessment. Yeah, I don't buy that either. No. Because you take a look at all the teams that were in the playoffs this year. You have San Francisco. You have L.A. You have Milwaukee. You have St. Louis. Uh, granted, they were wild card, but I'll still consider them a playoff team. You have Atlanta. You, obviously, you have Atlanta. Uh, you have Houston. You have, you have Chicago, the White Sox, that is. You have Tampa Bay. You got Boston, and you got New York. You know, either one of those teams – could have possibly beaten them in the World Series. Hell, I picked Houston to win the World Series. Yeah. Uh, before huh. the, before the World Series before the World Series officially began, uh, when we did the uh, the poll in Sports Whispers, I had picked Houston to win to win over Atlanta because looking at how the two teams matched up, I just I just did not see. How Atlanta could outslug Houston, but lo and behold, Atlanta—they—it <laughs> was. Well, I mean, I couldn't really, I couldn't, I couldn't really look at Houston's two games that they won and say that the series was close. I mean, it was either Houston blows out Atlanta, or Atlanta blows out Houston. You know there right, yeah. there wasn't really there wasn't really a a close game in the series at all. Right. And the fact that they're doing that they did it without their best offensive contributor in Ronald Acuna Jr. You know I think that speaks a lot for the team. So to say that they only won because of because of tanking? No, uh-uh. I mean, I just I just don't buy that at all. No, neither do I. I mean, it could it could it could be it could be something here as well too, because uh, you know this is the first or maybe maybe the. Uh, well, I shouldn't say I shouldn't say the first or the last, but you know who knows if there's going to be a season next year because of the looming yeah, lockout that's going to be that's uh, currently encompassing the league. And from all indications, from what I've heard, uh, negotiations aren't going that well mm. between hmm. between the league and the players' association. So. No. It sounds like we could be headed for a lengthy lockout. Yeah, from what it sounds like. Yeah, I don't like to hear the that. Case, and you know, you know, as I as I stated last week, Lou. Uh, yes. If anybody's gonna if anybody's gonna budge, it's gonna be the league. It's not going to be. Yes. Uh, it's not going to be the players' association because Tony Clark isn't the type of uh, isn't the type of uh, executive was, that's going to budge. Now, the you know one thing we could potentially see here, uh, we could potentially see some uh, 
some teams move quickly once the deadline opens up or once a free agency officially opens up here. Yes. Because with the deadline approaching uh, for December, you know, it's it's very likely that there probably isn't going to be uh, – well, first off, there's probably not going to be a winter meetings. So teams yeah. right now actually are probably doing their uh, – are probably – you know, doing their communications with uh, with free agents right now. And according to Jeff Passan of ESPN, uh, there's a sense that top free agents Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, and a few prominent starting pitchers could come off the board while the current CBA is still in play. Similarly, some in the industry expect that at least some of the offseason's most aggressive teams could be highly active in the days and hours leading up to the current CBA's expiration date. Right. And obviously the biggest market that is currently in demand is the shortstop market with Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, Carlos Correa, uh, a whole bunch of, uh, a whole bunch of shortstops potentially being on the move. So, don't be shocked at all if there's a lot of action nope. prior to December 1st. And assuming I there is my, indeed I a lockout, the right direction. You don't you don't think? Mm, I think there I think the lockout is uh, looking more and more likely now. Yeah. I think I think the bigger question would be I think the bigger question would be how long of a lockout. Now that's another story altogether. Like I said, I don't think that it'll, it'll be that stupid to have it go a whole season without baseball. Especially, uh, and and you know we we brought up this we brought up this point last week. They risk potentially pissing off uh, their. Uh, their media or you know their uh partners that they have just that they had just signed uh, a new media rights agreement with you know all of those uh all of those rights that they that they had uh, that they had signed with all the different networks you know you risk fist, you or you you risk pissing off all of those networks yeah so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if there is a lockout, just exactly how long of a lockout we're looking at here. Because, you know, depending on uh, depending on how long it might be, you know, it could have a pretty drastic effect, uh, especially with, like we said, you know, Kid, uh, the sport is trying to get more kids involved with uh, with yes. uh, you know uh, with baseball and wanting to potentially become baseball players. Uh, ooh, this is an update here. It looks like uh, Freddie Freeman and the Braves are growing clo- are growing further apart in negotiations. So it looks like Freddie Freeman may be headed someplace else. 
out of Atlanta. Freeman supposedly wants six years at 200 mil, and the Braves' best offer so far has been five years at 135 mil, which is obviously far short of his asking price. How much did he, was he asking for? Uh, six years, 200. Uh-huh. Six years, 200, and they counter back with five years, 135. Uh, some other uh, bits of news. I forgot, I forgot to mention this, by the way. Uh, ben Roethlisberger will miss tomorrow's game against the, uh, against the Lions due to COVID-19. So he is officially out. Um, I don't know if it's said week. whether he's vaccinated. I don't know if it's said whether he's vaccinated or not. But if he isn't vaccinated, he he will probably miss next week as well. Yeah. Uh, he is vaccinated. Okay. Oh, okay. So it's yes. only it's only uh, ten days then, I think. Oh wait, then he might miss next week anyways. Or no, he needs he needs two uh, two negative tests in a row, I believe. It is. 24 hours apart. Yeah, 24 hours apart, yeah, which is exactly why Nick Chubb isn't playing this week. Right. Um, also, uh, the Tennessee Titans, they have placed uh, star wide receiver Julio Jones on injured reserve with a hamstring issue. So he will be uh, out at least the next three weeks. For that... Titans offense. Uh, let's see. Some Major League Baseball news. J.D. Martinez has elected to not opt out of his contract uh, with the final year with the Red Sox. So he will officially opt in for the remainder of his deal, and he will make $19.35 million this year uh, for the Boston Red Sox after hitting 286. Uh, with a league leading 42 doubles, or American League leading, I mean, uh, to go with 28 home runs and 99 RBIs for the Boston Red Sox this season. Which is weird because a lot of people thought that he would probably opt out, considering uh, there would probably be a lot of teams that would offer him at least three years on the current market. Uh, the San Francisco Giants, they signed manager Gabe Kapler to a two-year contract extension, uh, which will put him with the team through the 2024 season uh, after guiding the Giants to an astonishing 107 regular season wins and their first NL West division title since 2012. However, they were ultimately beaten by their longtime rival L.A. Dodgers in Game 5 of the NLDS last month. Uh, He had initially inked a three-year deal prior to the pandemic-shortened 2020 season. Uh, However, he has led the Giants to a stellar 136-86 and record over his first two seasons at the helm in San Francisco. Uh, let's see. The Yankees did lose one player, though, as the Dodgers and Andrew Heaney uh, were in agreement on a one-year contract worth more than $8 million. 
Uh, actually, most multiple others have reported that the deal was worth eight and a half mil. Uh, technically, it is his second stint with the Dodgers as he was acquired from the Marlins back in, two, in 2014 before he immediately got flipped to the Anaheim Angels or the LA Angels of Anaheim. Yeah. Uh, although I guess maybe maybe the Yankees won't really miss him that much as he boasted a 5.83 ERA in between the Angels and the Yankees. Um. But still, the first the first loss for the Yankees uh, this off season, and also mm-hmm. it's been reported it's been reported as well that maybe uh, it might be the end of Brett Gardner in a Yankee uniform. I believe it is. I believe it is official. As supposedly, supposedly there are no plans to uh, to bring him back. So who knows? It's it's possible that uh, you know the one uh, the one Yankee player that uh, that everybody has been wishing uh, could leave at some point here uh, may be done at least as a player with the New York Yankees at the yeah. age of thirty eight, and he's been with the seasons or he or he's been with the team his entire career I believe since since two thousand and eight right. Mhm. Yeah, something like that. Yes. And actually, they're talking. Uh, they're talking that he may, uh, he may possibly retire and become the first base coach. From uh, from what I've read. So I don't know though, but. Uh, let's see. The Red Sox, they declined uh, both options on – ooh, hang on just a second. Uh, yes. Final in overtime, Kansas 57, Texas 56 with a wow. two-point conversion, a two-point conversion by Kansas to upset, to massively upset the can or the uh, the Texas Longhorns. Well, wow, yeah, they lost to somebody earlier in the uh, season, didn't they? Yes. I what uh, Texas? Yeah. I thought they did. I thought they did too. Well, yeah, they I mean they I think they've lost their last six games actually. Hang on, hang on. Let me get let me get the schedule up. I'll get the schedule up here. They have actually only two games left. Um but let's see. So yeah, I know, I know. I have to lock her, I know. Uh let's see. So they opened up the season with a loss at Arkansas. Uh they did win against Rice. Then they won against Texas Tech. Then they won against TCU. 
They then dropped the next four games to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor, and Iowa State before dropping today's game to Kansas. Yeah, and they lost big time to Iowa State. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, 30-7. 30-7. They lost to Baylor 31-24. They lost to Oklahoma State 32-24. They lost to Oklahoma 55-48. Now, considering how badly this is now, Imagine once they officially – I don't think – are they officially in the SEC? I don't think they're officially I in want, the SEC. I, I no. want to say they are, but I'm not sure. I don't think they are yet. So imagine – considering how bad they are right now, Imagine what's going to happen once they move over to the SEC officially. (laughs) Yeah. Texas is going to get their asses whooped in the SEC. They're going to basically be Vanderbilt, essentially. Or no, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. That's a little too, uh, a little too low of a jab. Uh, they're basically going to yeah. be okay, Missouri, Tennessee, Tennessee's, <laughs> Tennessee or Missouri are probably a better comparison. They're going to basically be like Tennessee or Missouri. So, you know, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to be a pretty picture at all for, uh, in the Texas. way in the way in the way Texas is playing this season, I actually think uh, the Bearcats could beat them. Maybe they could. possibly as long as long as long yeah. as uh, you know as as long as the Bearcats don't have a uh, don't have a massive choke game like they did with their offense. You know, if their offense actually shows up, maybe perhaps they'll actually they'll, they can beat the uh, the Longhorns. Yeah, I think there was a cut. There was a couple games where where uh, you know it was close, even though they won. It might have been like a twenty six twenty win or something like that. I forget. There was a couple of games that they're. There was a couple of games where their where their offense got exposed. Yeah. Much like Iowa, except the difference is Cincinnati won where Iowa lost. And I'm glad that they actually uh didn't put Cincinnati at number two because put Cincinnati at number two, they're going to, I mean, Cincinnati, to me, Cincinnati is not going to beat anybody in the top, uh, well, I don't want to say anybody. Uh, You know, they're, they don't have a chance at 
hardly anybody in the top ten. No. By the way, guys, and, we have a couple of upsets. We have a couple of upsets here. Uh, Baylor twenty-seven to fourteen over Oklahoma. Uh, number thirteen against uh, or number thirteen over number eight. And we have Ole Miss over Texas A&M, number 15 over number 11, by a score of 29 yeah. to 19. I actually picked Texas A&M, too. A lot of people did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. But, uh, yeah, there's uh, – looks like looks like Oklahoma – who knows? They may fall out of the top ten, possibly now. Um, but let's see. A couple of other finals from today. Uh, Georgia they continued their uh, their dominance, forty-one to seventeen over Tennessee. Uh, Alabama completely whooped New Mexico State, fifty-nine to three. Ohio State, fifty-nine to thirty-one over Purdue. We had Michigan. Yep. 21-17 over Penn State. Wow, Penn State isn't even ranked anymore. Um, Michigan no. State rebounds with a with a 40 to 21 victory over Maryland. Uh, Notre Dame 28 to three over Virginia. Yeah. Let's see, we got Mississippi State upsetting Auburn 43 to 34, unranked yeah. Mississippi State. Uh, Wisconsin whooped uh, Northwestern 35-7. Iowa over Minnesota 27-22. Wow, how bad is Iowa? The fact that they were uh, – what were they yeah. ranked at one point this year? Number three, I think, or number two? I think so. And they fell all the way to number 20. I mean, that tells you how badly they were exposed. That, that that just tells you how badly they were exposed. The fact that, yeah. uh, you know, they suffered so many losses that they they at one point were in contention for the college football playoff, and then all of a sudden completely fell, uh, completely fell apart. Now the I believe the uh, the next update is what tomorrow, I think. I think so. Yeah. So we'll see if any changes are made. Probably not, but uh, we'll see if any changes are made to the top four, um, or technically top six, I guess. But top four end up making it into the actual football playoff. Uh, Considering Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State both won, and Oregon is currently up 14-7 over Washington State, uh, assuming Oregon doesn't get upset here, we're probably looking at the same four teams more than likely. Yeah. But if Oregon does lose, maybe that opens the door for Cincinnati because they're currently sitting at number five. Uh, Cincinnati, does, you know, I, I said it, what, a month ago? Cincinnati, when Cincinnati was number two, I said Cincinnati does not deserve to be number two. I don't care how good they are. They don't deserve to be
be in the number two spot. And after, even after last week's win, I was glad that they, uh, you know, moved them down like the, what, sixth or something like that? Uh, in the college football poll, yeah, in the college football playoff rankings, they're they're yeah. they're fifth because Notre Dame is seventh, and that is the only big. That's the no, only Notre Dame is big, ninth. Oh wait a minute, that's the AP poll. Never mind, you're talking about the AP poll. Maybe maybe yeah, yeah. the only. Uh, I think after Cincinnati beat Notre Dame, you know, that's when they uh, that's when they shot wet. That's when they shot them up. Yeah. Say, whoa, you beat Notre Dame, and that's like the that was the only big uh, the only big win, uh, big big win this uh, season. Yeah, and they've basically been sitting at number two ever since. Ever since they beat Notre Dame, and they and they haven't played anybody, and they don't play anybody for the rest of the year. Yeah, it's mainly it's mainly because of record, and that's honestly, uh, I think that's honestly what's keeping them out of uh, you know out of the top four right now is the fact that they don't really play anybody. Period. Right. I mean, you can have Alabama lose three and four games. Alabama's going to yeah. whoop the living crap out of uh, Cincinnati. It, it, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, sure. Alabama's only loss Alabama's only loss was to what? Texas A&M this year, I think. Uh-huh. I think it was one of those And it, it was, was a very a, close uh, loss. It was It was a league game. It was I like know. Yeah, it was a very close loss too, from what I recall. So, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't real, I don't really argue with them putting Alabama and or Georgia and Alabama one and two. I don't really argue with that yeah. because, I mean, Alabama, you know, they're going to be Alabama regardless of, you know, how many wins or losses they have. So. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, if they had two losses, you know, they wouldn't be in the top four. Uh, But I think Alabama and Georgia are definite locks for the college football playoff. Uh, Uh, The only – I mean, Oregon Oregon and and Ohio State could potentially slide down still. But and I haven't I haven't seen who uh, Ohio State plays the rest of the season. Uh, let's see. I can tell you right now. Actually, uh, they they have a meeting with Michigan State next week, and they finish off with Michigan uh, on Thanksgiving week. So they got two gigantic wow. matchups ahead. It, yeah, and those are two league uh, games too. 
Yes. Number seven, number seven uh, Michigan State, and number six, Michigan. So those could essentially go either way. Yes. Oh, in my opinion, at least. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. But um, anyways, you know, uh, that's pretty much going to – we're going to wrap it up for tonight. Um, yeah. We have We have about, like, two minutes left. Uh, Lou and JB, thank you guys. Uh, thank you guys for joining me tonight. Um, for My those pleasure. who haven't done so, for those who haven't done so yet, uh, if you haven't subscribed to the Missy AE podcast, you can do so by going to blogtalkradio.com/missyae. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Uh, feel free if you're a Survivor fan. Uh, to call in next Thursday or this upcoming Thursday night for another edition of the Survivor 41 recap show uh, where we will dive into everything that goes on this upcoming week. Uh, Obviously for Sports Whispers Weekly, we will be back next Saturday night for another edition of, uh, of Sports Whispers Weekly where we'll talk nothing but sports uh, for the full three hours or for as long as my uh, phone will allow me to stay on the air. Uh, but, yeah, uh, everybody everybody have a good uh, rest of your weekend, and uh, we will uh, catch you guys for Sports Whispers Weekly next Saturday night. Guys. Yeah, good luck uh, Good luck to everybody in uh, Games Gridiron as well. Cause, uh, yeah. After last week, uh, I think people are uh, are – Firing back this week, or uh, yeah. when it comes to the games and the uh, games gamble. But uh, yeah, everybody have a good rest of your week, and we will see you guys next week. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic. When I can, I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.